0: Be part of this amazing service this morning. If this is your first time or you are new to our community, I want to give you a special welcome. Thank you so much for taking time to be here. Um, You didn't have to, but you chose to be here. And I want to say that by the time you leave here, you would have felt the touch of God and the presence of God. Why? Because God promises that where two or three are gathered in His name, there He is. And so God is here, and because of that, you will receive a touch from God. If you're also new to our community, can I please encourage you to scan the QR codes on the back of the seats uh, in front of you. That'll take you to a welcome page on our website where you can connect with the life of the church. We can connect with you as well. On either side of the auditorium at the back, there are welcome boots. So if you'd be able to stop by that way, if you're new to our community, um, we would love to get to know you. There's a free gift. For everybody that's new And also, once in a while We um, hold a lunch event For all the people who are new to our community We call those events Welcome Home And uh, if you're able to sign up for that We'll be able to just have lunch with you You get to know a bit of our church And we get to know you There's one coming up in September I want to encourage you to sign up for, for that one As well, please That will be absolutely awesome Well, um, throughout the month of July July We have been in the middle of a series on gratitude. Each week, I've been sharing a standalone message in itself. Week one, we looked at how we praise matters to God, and week two, we looked at how we live matters to God. In case you've missed those talks, they're available on the website, on our podcast for catch-up. However, if you have missed it, you don't have to have listened to those to understand what's Happening today, because each of it is um, is a standalone message in itself. There's something attractive about gratitude, isn't it? Yeah, there's something attractive about people who are grateful, and people uh, who exude an atmosphere of gratitude, whether that's to God or whether that's to us. It's uh, helpful to do that. So even before we get into the word of God, I wonder if we as a church collectively can just show our gratitude to everybody that is serving in church this week. Come on. The media team, the sound team, the worship band, the singers, the musicians, the welcome team, the creche team, the cleaning team, the youth team, the kids team. There are so many people, an army of volunteers. That make this happen. After service is over today, there is a crash cleaning team that go into the creche and clean it and set it up ready for Monday for our nursery to function. So there's so many people in all walks of life doing uh, various things. And you may be at work, you may be retired, you may be a stay-at-home dad, mom. But you choose to give up, a ta- give up your time, energy, talents and money to serve the kingdom of God and this is what the Bible says, that God is not unjust to overlook all that you have done for the saints. Um, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So, even though we don't do it for rewards and blessings, I want to thank you for your faithfulness because there is a blessing of God in all of this. I've just got back this morning from London. Uh, I haven't been home the last two days. Uh, we've been just trying to help some of the churches in the London area, we're part of a, a group of churches um, called the Assemblies of God, and there was an ordination service for a pastor on Saturday where I had to ordain a pastor, and, and uh, there was another one of our pastors that was diagnosed with a, a brain tumor that cannot be operated because the doctors are saying that if they operate, there are no chances of making it out of the operation table, and uh, it was his birthday yesterday, so we we went to his house, surprised him at 10:30 at night, prayed for him. And uh, we couldn't get back because that was in Hammersmith. and It was already past midnight. So we slept over in London and came back this morning. The reason I'm sharing that is because uh, while we're gathered together as a community like this, it's important to remember that we are one piece of a global puzzle. There are thousands and millions of people all over the world today worshipping the same Jesus, lifting up the name of Jesus. In Ukraine, some of them are doing it under bunkers and under under uh, tunnels in some countries they're doing it uh, under a tree in some countries they're doing it underground in a basement with soundproof walls in some countries they're doing it in stadiums we're doing it here but this is what the Bible says from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same the name of the Lord shall be praised what a privilege it is for us to praise Jesus come on let's praise him for the privilege and the opportunity we have to say thank you to Jesus Amen. I'm going to read a story from the Bible. It's found in 2 Kings chapter 5. I'm going to read from verse 1 all the way to the very end. Um, if you have read this story before, I want to encourage you to lean in. If you haven't, I want to encourage you to focus so you can get all the bits of the story. I'm going to read to the very end, and then I am going to pray, and uh, we're going to talk about gratitude. This is what it says Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master in high favor, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. This wasn't in my notes or my flow of thought, but I feel I just need to mention this because the thought just came to me. Naaman was, by the way, not a follower of, of God as we know it, or follower of Jesus. He was not a, a believer as we would know it, he was a, a worshipper of other gods. But the Bible says he was a great man and in high favor because God had given victory to him. Um, and you need to know that God doesn't just favor Christians. God is not just a God who goes, well, you're a Christian. I'm going to be kind to you. You're a non-Christian. I'm going to be unkind to you. Uh, I, I hate to break it to you. God wants to bless those that irritate you. Uh, God wants to bless the people that get on your nerves. God wants to bless the people that you think won't make the cut. He is not, uh, he is not a God who is, show, is, who is prone to partiality. And uh, many of the biggest inventions that we see in the world today that are being used, even for us today, we're using microphones and speakers and lights and buildings and heating systems most of this was not invented or discovered by Christians. They were invented by people who did not have a faith at all, some of them, but the favor of God was on them. And so we need to be a community that are not religious to say, we hope and pray that everybody that is blessed of God are Christians and we want Christians to prosper. Hey, we want all people to prosper. We want all people to do well. We want this kingdom, this the United Kingdom, these islands to rise whether there are people of faith or no faith, we want to believe that God is good to all. and that's what the Bible says in Psalms that God is good to all. That was not in my flow of thought, but I felt some of you need to know that because we are not a religious church. We're a church that takes Jesus very seriously, but we're not a church that is religious to say we are better than everybody else. God can favor who He wants to favor, and, uh, and we are people who believe that. Now, verse two: Now the Syrians, on one of their raids, carried off a little girl from the land of Israel. And she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, would that my lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his lord, thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of of clothing, And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent you to Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man sends a word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. Let him come to me now, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times. And your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. But Naaman was, very, was angry and went away saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the place and cure the leprosy. Are not Abana and Papa, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. But his servants came near and said to him, My father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will he not do it? Has he actually said to you, "Wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the, word of the law, uh, according to the word of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Then he returned to the man of God and all his company, and he came and stood before him, and he said, "Behold, I know there is no God in all the earth but in Israel, so accept now a present from your servant but he said as the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. Then Naaman said, If not, please let there be given to you a servant, your servant, two mule loads of earth. For from now on your servant will not offer burnt offering or sacrifice to any god but the Lord. In this matter, may the Lord pardon your servant. When my master goes into the house of Rimon to worship there, leaning on my arm, and I bow myself in the house of Rimon, when I bow myself in the house of Rimon, the Lord pardon your servant in this matter. He said to him, go in peace. But I want you to notice from here on, I had everything from, from up till now gives you a context of this guy called Naaman. He's commander of the army. He has leprosy, comes to Elisha's house. Elisha gives him some instructions. He's healed of his leprosy. And Naaman then comes back to the prophet and says, please accept all these gifts. I've got money. I've got clothes. I'd love to say just thank you. Elisha says, no, thanks. Don't need it. Don't need it. Um, He insisted. Elisha says, no, I am not going to accept any money, any clothes. Go in peace. Verse 19. When Naaman had gone from a short distance, Elisha's assistant, Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, my master has spared this Naaman the Syrian in not accepting from his hand what he brought. As the Lord lives, I will run after him and get something from him so gehazi followed naaman and when naaman saw someone running after him he got down from the chariot to meet him and said is all well and he said all is well my master has sent me to say they have just now come to me from the hill country of ephraim two young men of the sons of the prophets please give them a talent of silver and two changes of clothing and naaman said be pleased to accept two talents And he urged him and tied up two talons of silver in two bags with two changes of clothing and laid them on two of his servants and they carried them before Gehazi. And when he came to the hill, he took them from their hand and put them in the house and he sent the men away and they departed. Gehazi went in and stood before the master and Elisha said to him, Where have you been, Gehazi? He said, Your servant went nowhere. Elisha said to him, Did not my heart go when the man turned from his chariot to meet you? Was this the time to accept money and garments, olive orchards, vineyards, sheep, oxen, male servants, female servants? Therefore, the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and to your descendants forever. So he went out from his presence a leper like snow. Pray with me for a moment. Father, We want to be grateful people, and we pray, God, that you will make us a grateful community. We already are, but we pray, God, we will have the most grateful people in our community that we've ever seen. Today, help us to see Jesus, and let that Jesus cause a response in our heart to live grateful lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Week one, I talked about how we praise matters. Week two, I spoke about how we live matters, how we live is also how we express gratitude. And today, I want to look, up, look at how we serve. How we serve matters. The story is about, um, like I said, uh, an army official from a country called Syria. He had leprosy. He was very successful. Wherever he'd, wherever he'd go, he'd succeed in what he does. The only problem was he, he was a leper. Now, Syria had, a, had attacked Israel and carried away prisoners of war back to Syria. So in his own house, he had a prisoner of war, a little girl, and uh, this little girl saw um, that the Syrian army commander was leprous. And this little girl says to the the army commander's wife, man, if if this commander would just go to a prophet in Israel, I promise you he'll get healed. I wonder what it is that caused her to think about blessing somebody that was her enemy. I wonder what caused her to think, man, here is the person that plucked me from my dad, from my mom, from my home, from my family. I am now a prisoner of war in somebody else's house. What is it about her that thinks, ah, I'm here to provide a solution for the person that hurt me? What is it about her life that causes her to say what can i do to bring a solution to my master's problem you see when we live grateful hearts when we live with grateful hearts how we serve matters and we have to remember whether you have a good boss at work or you have one that gets on your nerves uh, you have a government that you like or you have a government that gets on your nerves you are ultimately serving a God that is invisible. And he is watching over your moves, your motives, your emails, how you answer the phone, how you turn up at work, how you treat your colleagues... Everything matters because there is a master that we serve that is greater than the master you see at work or greater than the prime ministers or presidents we vote into power. We have to remember that as children of God, how we serve matters. And whether we find ourselves in a comfortable position or an uncomfortable position, whether we find ourselves in a position that looks fair and just or it's completely unfair and unjust, We need to remember God is watching and how we serve people is a thank you to how we serve God. Many people who are religious would at that moment do a study, perhaps even a Bible study, on the root cause of why this man was leprous. I know why he is leprous. He attacked Israel, serves him right. I know why he is leprous. He is a guy who carried away prisoners of war. These are the consequences of what happens when people make unkind choices. This girl could have done all of that. Instead, she said, I wonder how I can solve this problem. If this man were to pay a visit to Israel and turn up in Samaria, ask for the prophet Elisha, I promise you this leprosy will be gone. I wonder what our world would look like if Beacon Church would walk out of this building today, turn up at work tomorrow, turn up at home tomorrow and say, as a parent, as a mom, as a dad, as an accountant, as a stay-at-home wife, as a stay-at-home husband, as a college student, as a... School student, wherever
1: I'm going, whether people are kind to me or unkind to me, I am going to show my gratitude to God by always being aware that I serve a higher power, a higher authority, a higher person. I don't serve just people. I serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We serve God wherever we find ourselves. He doesn't do
0: a post-mortem or analysis on how the root cause of the leprosy came about. She said, listen, I know a man that can heal you. Can we be people that don't point at the root of the problem and why the problem exists? Hey, anybody can do that. It doesn't take a genius to point out there's a problem. It doesn't take anybody smart to point out something is not working. I wonder what we would be like if we're not people who point at what the problem is, but point to the one that can provide solutions. Let us be people
1: that live in this nation and say, Hey, when everything is broken, I know a God that cannot be shaken. When all the systems are are going through turmoil. I know a God who is peace. In fact, He is not just peace. He is the Prince of Peace. Let us be the kind of people that exhibit gratitude in our hearts by saying, God, from today, I want to serve well. And whether it's my service to my spouse, to my children, or at work, I want to give my very best because in serving in my context, I'm serving the King of Kings and the Lord of
0: Lords. We're grateful people by how we serve we're grateful people by how we serve when no one's watching we're grateful people by how we serve because we are conscious that we are serving God when I was in Bible college I remember the principal of the Bible college at the time saying one time he was um he was uh, he, you know, he was in a Q&A panel, and then somebody asked him the question. He said, well, do you get nervous when you speak to you know, crowds of 3,000 or, or whatever? He said, well, he said two things. I, In my mind, I, I can't quote him word for word, but he said something like that. He said, in my mind, I make sure that I realize I'm speaking to 3,000 audiences of one. It's the one person that I'm serving. And secondly... I am aware that I am serving a God that I cannot see with my eyes, even though I can see people here. Let's be people who are conscious that we're serving God in every opportunity that's been given to us. Because if not, we will get bitter. If not, we will turn up at work and say, Hey, it's Monday again. Hey, I want Beacon Church to be the community that says, I can't wait for Monday because it's an opportunity to serve Jesus. I can't wait for Monday. It's an opportunity to serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But how is work? Oh, the work is hard. Tomorrow is going to be 40 degrees. It's going to be red alert. The entire nation is going to be boiling. We can turn up thinking, oh, I hate my life. I hate my job. I can't wait for next Sunday because it's going to be amazing. That is not what a follower of Jesus looks like. A follower of Jesus is confident that even in a furnace, he can still have the opportunity and she can still have the opportunity to lift hands, to praise, to bring a good attitude. How we serve matters when we live with a grateful heart. So Naaman says, okay then, I'll do that. So he turns up at Elisha's house with lots of clothes and lots of money uh, because in those days that's what kings did when, whenever they would go. Um, gifts and money is the language of honor and even whether it's in the Old Covenant or in the New Covenant language, Of honor, our language of respect uh, is, is money. That's why the Bible says, Honor the Lord with the first fruit of all your produce. Bring him the first and the best because honor has a language, and that language is gifts and offering and generosity. So obviously, Naaman was a man of honor, so he brought all these gifts and he said to Elisha, Hey, I'm here. Elisha goes, Well, there's a river down the road. Um, Go dip in it seven times and you'll be all right. And Naaman was so offended. He said, um, I thought he'd come back and give me VIP treatment and lay his hands on me, wave his hands hands over the spot of leprosy and I'll be well. I mean, I've got better rivers back in Syria. I didn't have to come all the way to Israel to dip in these dirty waters. There's no way I'm going to do it. And some of his team members were there and they were like, come on, you know, just... Just do it. I mean, if he had asked you a much bigger, tougher task, you you would have been up for it. Uh, this is a simple task. What what do you have to lose? Just go go to go to the river and dip yourself in seven times. See what happens. So he said, fine. He goes to the river, dips himself seven times. He comes out, his his skin is brand new. Uh, Naaman is shocked that this miracle has happened. Uh, turns his chariot back to Elisha's house and says, man, this is amazing. I'm so grateful. Here you go, please accept some clothes, accept some money, accept some gifts. Elisha says, No, thanks. I'm good. Um, no charge. This is this is not what it's for. He said, No, please, you've gotta get some. Elisha says, No, thank you. It's all good. I don't need your money, don't need your clothes. God healed you. So Naaman says, Fine, and he's uh he's on his way back to Syria <clears throat> and um His, Elisha's assistant, Gehazi, or Gehazi, whichever way you want to pronounce it, was, um, was listening. And he says to himself, one version says this, my master has let the commander of Syria off too lightly. In other words, I know better. I know that my master has made a mistake. I'm gonna go after him, I, and I won't. I won't take everything that belongs to him. I'll, ma, I'll just make up a story. So he he runs behind the chariot. The Bible says, Naaman saw that Gehazi was running behind the chariot, and he stops the chariot and says, Gehazi, yes, is everything all right? He says, Oh no no, everything's fine. You know, just as you were leaving, um, we had some visitors. <laughs> the timing of it all. So sorry. Um. But um, my master says, any chance I could just have one talent of silver, some clothes. And Naaman's like, what do you mean one talent? Here you go, take two talents, by all means. In fact, he looks at his staff and says, hey, listen, you guys get off the chariot, walk with Elisha, carry these things back to, to, to the house for them. So Naaman is now waiting in his chariot. He he's sent his staff members with Gehazi, and they're carrying this this uh, money and these clothes and they come to the tent. <laughs> this is what the Bible says. Elisha then says, okay, you guys can go now. You know, they didn't want, obviously he didn't want, um, he didn't want, um, Gehazi didn't want his, his servants, Naaman's servants to come into the house. So Elisha and Gehazi goes and hides it under his tent. And um, he says, ah, you know, mission accomplished. He's happy. It's all done. So uh, Elisha, the prophet, says to Gehazi, he goes, uh, Gehazi, where have you been? And Gezi says, um, nowhere. Just, you know, I've been here. And Aisha says, did not my spirit go with you when you went to Naaman? Is this the time to receive money and silver and gold and clothes and orchards and vineyards and male servants and female servants? Poor guy. He didn't get any of that. The list just goes on and on and on. Fair enough, he you know, he he took some let's let's imagine. Imagine you imagine you committed some fraud, okay? Imagine you defrauded somebody and the value of the fraud was a thousand pounds. If you came to court and they said, Well, you're guilty of fraud and um And the amount is a million pounds. Surely you'll object and go, listen, okay. I want to say I'm sorry, but it wasn't a million pounds. It was just a thousand pounds. There's this long list. And these things were not even with Naaman. Elisha says, is this the time to accept all of this? From today, Naaman's leprosy will cling to you and your children forever. At that moment, the Bible says, Gay has left there, white as snow, white as snow, full of leprosy. I'll come back to the story, and I want to read two bits from the Bible and explain what just happened there. I want to read first <clears throat> from Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 24, and then Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 to 5. Jesus says these words do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys where thieves do not break in and steal For Where your treasure is there your heart will also be The eye is the lamb of the body So if your eye is healthy your whole body will be full of light. Let's read that again. Come back to verse 19. How many of you can th- How many of you can agree that Matthew here, or Jesus, re- uh, Matthew recording Jesus' words, is talking about treasure and wealth? Okay. Why is it that all of a sudden, in the middle of okay, I want you to picture a sandwich in your head. You got the top layer of bread. You got the filling. And the bottom layer here's the top layer do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy where thieves break in and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys where thieves do not break in and steal for your tr- where your treasure is there your heart will be also so jesus is talking about treasure 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 make sure you have the right aptitude to treasure and then there's this sandwich filling in the middle it looks like it's a, it's a different topic altogether the eye is the lamb of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. And then, But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is this darkness. Now here's the bottom layer of the bread. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. It's like... He was talking about the right perspective on wealth, and then he starts talking about his eyes, and then he starts talking about the right perspective of wealth again. It's like, how, how is all of this interlinked, and why is it that instructions about the health of your eye comes to this whole passage on how you serve? A few, a few observations. Jesus says, it is impossible, impossible for you to serve God and money you can't they they cannot coexist. you can't serve both at the same time. in fact, in the original language, the word is not even money. It's the word mammon, which is a god. The only God other than the God we worship that is acknowledged in scripture is a god called Mammon. It's a god. says so you can't serve both. you will either be under the influence of one or the other, and 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 your eyes are really important because if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. What is Jesus saying? Jesus saying your perspective on what you see really, 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 really matters. Because if your eyes are full of darkness, your whole body is full of darkness. If your eyes are full of light, your whole body is full of light. Remember, do not lay up for yourself treasures where rust and moth can, can, can corrupt it. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven because if your eye is healthy, the whole body is healthy, if your eye is dark, the whole body is dark, you cannot serve God and mammon. You see, our gratitude to God is how we serve. And Jesus says, if you want to serve me, you can't serve money. If you want to serve me, You can't serve money. If you want to be grateful to me and service is how you express your gratitude, then you can't serve money. You'll either be devoted to one, you will hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You just can't do both because money, mammon, is a god. And I wonder whether we are people like Gehazi, or Gehazi, who is looking at the master and saying, I wonder if I can have a different opinion to what God says about wealth. You see, the moment you and I choose that we have the right to choose perspective concerning wealth, then we have become our own God. Because our perspective now is king, not God's perspective. Our perspective now is on the throne, not God's perspective. Our perspective now has precedence, not God's perspective. Elisha says, "Um, I don't want anything. And Gehazi says, my master made a mistake. You see, the grace of God is free. One of my mentors said to me, he said, the grace of God is free. He said to me, but it's not cheap. Don't make it cheap. Don't make it as if it's something that's available to you so you can use it misuse it and abuse it. There has to be reverence for God, reverence for the word of God, reverence for the gathering together of the saints of God, reverence for people who have been put in leadership over us, reverence for scripture, reverence for prayer. This is not a fear where we are afraid of it, but this is a reverence that says, if God has said so, then our response is to say yes and follow with his leading. Because if you do not do that, you cannot serve both God and mammon. It cannot coexist. It's either your way or God's way. But don't ever think the two can mix. Paul, when he was writing to a church. Church. In Colossians, and, 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 and we have that in Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 to 5. He talks first about these words. And those of you who are new covenant believers who love Jesus who know that everything about Jesus is free, His grace is unlimited, is unmerited, that there is nothing you can do to earn it, to deserve it, then you will love this. Because this is what it says. If, you, if then you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of the Father, right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. You have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will
1: also appear with Him glory. Therefore, because of this reality, because of the gospel, because of the finished work, put to death. Everything that is earthly in you, sexual immorality,
0: impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, or one version says greed, which is idolatry. The only sin described in the Bible that is, that is that's compared to idolatry, and the same thing happens in Ephesians, is the sin of greed. Why? Because mammon is a god. It says, all of this is true. Jesus loves you. He died for you. You died with him. You are seated with him in the heavenly places. And he, when he appears in glory, you will also
1: appear. Because all of this is true. Because all of these are your realities and you're setting your mind there. Put to death everything that is earthly in you.
0: Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Idolatry. Idolatry, which is idolatry. You cannot serve God and mammon. How, how we serve matters. How we serve, how we praise matters. How we live matters. But how we serve really, really matters. How we serve really matters. Let's go back to the story of, um, of Gehazi and, uh, and Elisha. And then I want to pull a few points that will hopefully help us to live for God. Greed is as bad as idolatry. Greed leads to idolatry. Greed is the worship of the God or the demon mammon. Greed sometimes is the slavery imposed by the economic system we live in. Greed is service and obedience to wealth. Greed is inordinate love and devotion to wealth. Greed is trust and confidence in our money rather than in God. How are we serving Jesus? How we serve matters. And that's why in the book of Colossians, Paul wanted to make it very clear your position is sealed, you are loved life is hidden with Christ you're seated with him when he appears you will appear in glory and he says if this is true then there are some actions that follow put to death or reckon yourself dead to sexual immorality covetousness he's got a list but he comes to the, to the, to the point of, of greed and he says that is idol worship you, you just cannot worship God and money. Can I encourage you? In a world, in the news today, if you switch it on, they will talk continuously about energy bills, about inflation, roaring prices. You won't be able to afford things anymore. People may have to forego their houses. You may not be able to pay your mortgage. You'll have to cancel your holidays. You won't be able to afford things anymore. Recessions coming. It might be a double debt perception. When you hear all this on the news, let me ask you a question. Is your heart afraid or is it confident? Because if it is afraid, it's a sign that you've been serving the wrong God. It's a sign that your confidence and your trust is in something that is shakable. And if it's shaking now, it's going to shake in the future. Today is a good day to say, if recession does come, if things do get more difficult. If inflation goes up another 7%, whatever happens, I want to say to myself, I'm gonna live a grateful life by serving just one God. Not two gods. Just one God. My God is in heaven. He knows me. Every num- every hair on my head is numbered. Not just counted. Numbered. Every hair on my head is numbered. He knows me. The Bible says this. The sparrow is there. And God provides for the sparrow. The lilies of the field are there. And God provides clothes for the lilies of the field. If God can look after the sparrows. And God can look after
1: the lilies. He will look after you. He'll care
0: for you. Are you not worth more than sparrows? Are you not worth more than
1: lilies? Which of you, by worrying, will be able to add another hour, another day to your life? You cannot move forward in life by adding worry to your life, by paying attention to all these facts. All those facts are important. Of course we have to budget. Of course we have to build. But that is not what I'm asking. I'm asking, where is your confidence? Where is your trust? Where are you putting your weight? If you are putting your weight, you have to say, well, I don't Quite understand why Elisha didn't accept those clothes and those gifts,
0: but I better agree with whatever God says about money. Because if I don't bring my agreement in alignment with what He says, then I have become my God. Mammon has become my God. The systems of this world has become my God. The social security system has become my God.
1: The government has become my God. And when every one of these things begin to shake and collapse, all of us are tired and sick and frustrated and defeated because we have put all of our trust in all all of the wrong places and when they eventually begin to shake we then begin to grumble and complain and mourn and groan because we say the people that we trusted did not come through for us our trust is not in all these things our trust is in the God that loves us called us equipped us He's in you He's he's put His Spirit in you and you have to know that you are His child He knows you have needs He knows what you need even before you ask He knows you need food to eat He knows you need clothes to wear. He knows you have bills to pay. Today, let's make a decision that we will not serve the God of this world. And the God of this world is mammon, is money, is an economy that will cause you to live in fear for the rest of your life. Wondering whether you will have enough. Look up to Jesus. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. You have to serve Jesus. Serve Jesus. Serve Jesus. Serve Jesus. Serve Jesus. Serve Jesus, serve Jesus, serve Jesus, serve Jesus with all your heart, serve Him, serve Jesus, serve Jesus, serve Jesus. Jesus. Not just thank Him, not just follow Him, but serve Him, serve Him come on, some of you are in a generational, your dad was afraid that there wouldn't be enough and your granddad was afraid there wouldn't be enough, the latest scientific research shows and I'm not a medical professional, there's plenty of medical professionals in the room but latest scientific um, science research shows that even trauma now is genetically passed on, what that means is you know, my children are born with black hair because I've got black hair and my wife's got black hair so my children have black hair there's so much research coming out now because I've been doing a lot of reading on trauma, and they're saying that now trauma is genetically passed down. They did a study recently uh, on on some of the women that went through genocide in Rwanda, and they went through the most horrific crimes that could ever be imaginable to be done to a human being. And they escaped the genocide and went to other countries and immigrated and lived, and and eventually they met people and had children. And when they when they when they when they scanned their brains, they found that these children are born. with the same trauma that these mothers carried, because trauma is not just stored in the head, it's stored in the whole body. So they're finding this increasing study, there's an increasing agreement among people who who understand trauma, that trauma is passed on generationally. So your great-grandfather may have walked through some things where there wasn't enough, and he was switching off the light, and taking bath in cold water, and afraid of poverty, and that passed on to his dad, and your dad, and your dad had a good job, and everything was going well, you had a good job, but they you grow up in a house where you were always afraid, was there going to be enough? You grew up in a home where you felt like Oliver Twist, you're walking before other people with a begging bowl and you're hoping that somebody will have mercy on you and you grow up and you're in your 20s and 30s and you walk out of childhood and teenagehood and grow into adulthood and these fears come knocking on your doors because you're always wondering, is there going to be enough? Where is the provision going to come from? Is God going to look after me? Will I have to look after myself? Is it going to be me versus the rest of the world. Is everything going to be okay? I want to say to you, the Bible says if anybody is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. Behold, everything that is old is gone and everything is brand new. When you accepted Jesus, it was not a change of religion. It was not a change of church. It was an entire change of your DNA. Today, why don't you give praise to Jesus? Because you have a new blood. You have a new DNA. You have a new nature. God can. He cares he cares he cares cares. God understands and he will provide he knows Be the generation that breaks the trauma of the fear of poverty. Be the people that stand up and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul wrote those words in Philippians chapter 4 and before he wrote those words, he said this, I know what it is to abound and I know what it is to abase. I know what it's to have plenty and I know what it's to have little. In all these things, I have learned the secret of being content. And then he says these words, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, in spite of your bank balance, in spite of how much there is or how little there is, in spite of how unstable your future may look like, let me speak these words as a prophecy over you. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You can. How are you serving God? How are you serving God? Is your trust in the systems of the world? Are you like Gehazi going, God got that one wrong. What do you mean I should tithe?
0: He has no idea how many bills I've got coming my way. If only he knew. So so let, let me do it my way. What do, you, what do you mean I should trust him for financing? He, he's, he's, he's obviously got that wrong. I'll, I'll run behind. Because the moment you are your own God, you then have to make up a system to survive the rest of it. You're going, amen. So, so, so what's happened? Oh, by the way, two guests had came, come home and And and, uh, the timing of it all, can we have something? Sure, sure, you can have it. And um, and so so the rest of his life, he's he's, he's making up this deception of, of pretending to trust, but not really trusting. Where have you been? Oh, I've just been here, no problem. You know what the scariest thing of this story is? Elisha was a prophet that was so powerful. One day when some people didn't have time to bury some soldiers that had died in war, and, um, they kind of just threw, threw these dead bodies just to the side of the road. The guys who threw this, these bodies didn't realize but Elisha's grave was there. Bible says as soon as the bodies hit his grave, they all came back to life. This man was so anointed, his bones had power. His skin and nails were radiating the glory of God long after he was dead and his body was decomposed. Yet Gehazi Gehazi was a man who lived with him, cooked for him, studied with him, woke up with him, went to school with him. But the power of God didn't change him you can be in church and not change it change you you can be in the ministry like this and it cannot affect you you know why because God spirit of God will never ever violate anybody's free will so you either sit here with an open heart and say yes God I don't know how to obey this I find it hard to trust you. But today I will choose to trust by serving you and only you. Yes, I've been watching the news and I've been getting scared about the energy bills and the inflation and the recession and all of that. When I, when I when I watch that on the news, I find my heart fluttering. I find like Gehesi trying to 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 fix systems so that I can come off better off, rather than just trusting and saying, God, I don't understand it, but I trust you. If you can feed the sparrows in the air, you'll feed me. If you can clothe the lilies of the field, you'll clothe me. My trust is in you. God cannot do that for you. You have to open your heart and say, God, I trust you. Our gratitude depends on how we serve him. If you want to serve God, every one of you, listen to me, you have an opportunity to make a difference in your generation. This is not about going to heaven. That's why Paul wrote in Colossians 3, your life is hidden with Christ. You've died with him. You're raised with him. When Christ appears, you will appear in glory. Therefore, put to death covetousness, which is idolatry. Because that is your reality. Serve God in such a way that the other competing God is not given room. As a pastor in Newtown, Wales called Alan Hewitt, incredible speaker of the Word of God. I remember him saying once, There's only one throne in heaven and it is taken. It's taken. God's on the throne. There is another God competing for your attention. It's the systems of the world, the economic institutions. I'm not against investing, saving. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. I hope God gives you the wisdom to invest, to save for the future, to financial planning, making sure all of that is done with diligence and wisdom. God will give you wisdom that is above and beyond what you need. He will provide that for you. It is his will for you to succeed. Hey, we read that the Syrian army commander, the favor of God was on him to give him success. Come on. If God's favor is on people who don't know him, God's favor is definitely on you to succeed. That's what we're talking about. Where is your trust? Who are you serving? Who are you serving? We're in the season right now, as Paul said earlier on, where we're asking people to bring a faith offering. Something where you'll say I am going to trust God because you see trust requires action some of you are Amazing it at, at bringing your tithes and every week you bring your offering. This isn't about that. This is to say I want to live my life in such a way That my trust is completely in God Trust is completely in God This is not Jesus This church, the Bible says, is the body of Jesus. The body of Christ is the church. So when you bring a gift to the church, you are bringing a gift to Christ himself. Just say, I trust you completely. I grew up watching my grandfather afraid of poverty. My father afraid of poverty. Even though they had plenty, they never lived freely. Because they were afraid of the rainy day that was coming. They were always afraid of the boiler that just might break. They were always afraid of the car that just might give up. They were always afraid that children might just not have enough. And so you grew up living for yourself, with yourself, focusing on you. Because it was demonstrated to you that unless you take care of yourself, nobody will. I want to introduce you to a father who knows, who cares, who understands. Why don't you Take a step to trust him in a way you have never trusted before. Why don't you step out and say, God, I'm going to trust you by saying, I will never serve another God, but I will serve you fully. The other thing that we read in Matthew is this, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. You are a father that has done this I'm not saying this to condemn you if you had a father like this I'm not saying this to trigger you but I have watched in this nation fathers who say I love my family and they have a great job and great wealth and they give nothing to support their family they walk away from a woman who has children says I love my family They've got plenty, and they do nothing to support their family. Let me tell you this. If your treasure is not there, your heart is not there. If your treasure is not in your family, your heart is not in your family. You can say you love your family, but the proof of the pudding, they say, is different, isn't it? And we can say, well, I love God, but your treasure is, is where your heart is. So if you find yourself in a place where you say, God, I want my heart completely devoted to you. I I don't want my heart. What do I do? Of course, I feel terrified about my future. I always have lived with the fear of lack, with the fear of poverty. I see that in my generation. I see this passed on. I want to be, hey, where your treasure is, is where your heart will be. If you want to change the location of your heart, change the location of your treasure because your heart follows treasure. Where your treasure is, is where your heart will be. Hey, I want to serve God, don't you? He gave his best for me. And he's worth it, don't you think? He did it because he chose to. He died for the people that would receive him and the people that would reject him. He died for the people that would honor him and for the people that would dishonor him. He died for the people who would follow him for the people who would turn their back and walk away. Because that is the God we worship. And the God that we worship is asking you a question today. Will you serve me? Will you serve me? If you don't, Colossians chapter 3, your life is already hidden in Christ. Nothing's going to change. God's not going to be like, well, they said no. No. Can we put that up again? Colossians chapter 3. Paul had to make sure that this was... Driven to the church so they knew this well. If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. You have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Nothing's going to change that. Your life is hidden with Christ. Nothing's also going to change verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also. Appear with him in glory. Put to death. Therefore, meaning what? Because of the previous, because of what I've just said, because this is true. Come on, kill whatever is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. You can't serve two masters. Who are you going to serve? Because how you serve is how you say thank you. Will you close your eyes with me for a moment? Holy Spirit, come now and do only what you can do. Undo years of generational fear. Fear of lack, the fear of poverty. Drive into our consciences the truth that if you will care for the sparrows in the air and if you will clothe the lilies of the field, then you will look after us. To the individual in this room that had to care for their family because their spouse walked away and the trauma of being alone has caused them to live in fear and that fear has caused them to worship mammon. Today set them free, Father, to worship you and only you. We will have no other gods before us except the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. To the man and the woman that's in this room that are in their 40s and 50s and 60s but when they were children they grew up in a home where they were never sure if there was consistent support or stability and early attachment models that they saw and felt and experienced caused them to believe that bad news is around the corner today we pray freedom in the name of Jesus freedom father if trauma can impact us then I believe the cross of Jesus can impact us too if pain can impact us I believe the blood of Jesus can impact us too If the words of people can impact us, then I believe that the word of God can penetrate between soul and mind and bone and marrow and bring about a paradigm shift in our thinking, in our worship and our believing that is different. If the words of people that we trusted have hurt and wounded us, today I believe the word of God can transform and bring freedom in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We trust you. We trust you. If you are concerned about what's going on in the world right now, there is no shame in this. Nobody in this room is going to judge you. Not a single person. If you ever feel judged, that person does not belong to this church. We do not believe we are a church that judges. There is no shame in admitting this. But if the recent events have caused you to be concerned about your own future, lift your hands. We're going to pray that God will help you walk in freedom and not in fear. You've heard about the recession. You've heard about the inflation. You've heard about rising energy bills. You've heard about all the things that are coming your way. Father, in the name of Jesus, we dare to believe you are our provider. In spite of the way the economy is going, in spite of the way things are working, in spite of rising energy bills, we dare to believe if you can clothe the lilies of the field, you will clothe us. If you can care for the sparrows in the air, we are worth more than sparrows. We believe in Jesus' name. Right now, I speak freedom to every fearful heart, freedom to every concerned mind, freedom to every body that is storing up trauma of a God that will always abandon. Father,
1: you will never leave you will never forsake. You are always dependable. You are always constant. You are always faithful. You are always available. You are always there. We may not always understand but we say yes to your word. Yes to your will. Yes to your ways. Yes to your wishes. Yes in my heart. Yes in my mind. Yes in my body. With my body I honor you. With my words I honor you. With my worship I honor you. How I serve I honor you. With my mind I honor you. With my priorities I honor you. With my time I honor you. Remove from us, oh God, every mask that we are putting out because we have put our trust in another system, remove from us all the deceit that is in our lives because we have put our dependency on another system. Every individual today that is causing, oh Father God, that is living with the trauma of the pull of the God of heaven and the pull of the God of this world, I pray, set us free from the God of mammon, set us free from the economy and the systems of this world that bring slavery us free from the way we are taught to believe that God will not only help those who help themselves. Help us to live in a place where we know you as Father and we receive your provision and you receive, you get for us and you give for us the daily bread that we need every day. To the mom that needs support, provide support. To the dad that needs courage, provide courage. To the boy that's wondering about his future, provide assurance. To the girl that says, does anybody care? Provide care. As a church, We confess we will serve Jesus. We will serve you only. We will not have multiple gods. We will not serve the gods of this world. Jesus, you are King. Jesus, you are Lord. Jesus, you are exalted. You are above repression. You are above oppression. You are above recession. You are above the economies of this world. You are above the standards of this world. You are above our past. You are above our trauma. You are above our pain. You are above our wounds. You're above our scars. You're above our fears. And today, we focus on you. And we thank you. You are the risen King. So we put to death every bit of idolatry in us. We put to death every bit of greed in us. We put to death every bit of covetousness in us. And we say in Jesus' name, as a people, we will be the most generous in our family. We will be the most generous in our community. We will be the generation that breaks the cycle that says... Bad news is around the corner because the gospel is good news for those who believe. And today we believe your good news that we are people who live by it, live by it, live by it, live by it. We'll breathe it. We will live it. We will believe it. We will understand it. We will grow in it. We will meditate on it. We will manifest it. And we thank you that today in the name of Jesus, by the anointing that breaks the yoke, Every yoke of the fear of poverty. Every yoke that the God of this world has put on us. Every yoke of the God of mammon that has come to steal our allegiance from the only person that should have our affection and our allegiance, we say that yoke is broken in the name of Jesus Christ. We say that yoke is broken in the name of Jesus Christ. We say that yoke is broken in the name of Jesus Christ. We will serve you and we will serve you only. We will serve you and we will serve you only. We will serve you and we will serve you only.
0: Now Lord, if the sin of greed, if the sin of covetousness, if the sin of idolatry could have intergenerational effects and not only Gehazi was leprous but it affected his children and his children's children, then we dare to believe those of us who are of the new covenant, people who trust Jesus, that our trust is not in our jobs, in our pensions, in our investments. Thank you for the wisdom and the skills you've given us to have good jobs and good pensions and good investments, but our trust will be in you. And if idolatry can have intergenerational consequences, then true worship of the true and living God. We believe we'll have intergenerational blessings. So because of today's commitment, today's surrender, humble hearts that say yes to you today, we dare to believe our children are blessed. Our children's children are blessed. Our children's children are blessed. Our children's children's children are blessed. Up to a
1: thousand generations, they will enjoy the blessing of parents, moms, dads that put their trust in Jesus
0: put their trust in Jesus I put their trust in Jesus unwanted evils of this world that attached itself to Gezi will not attach itself to us in spite of how polluted the world gets we will be protected from everything that comes our way and more importantly Our children that grow up in this polluted world will be protected from every evil that comes our way. Why? Because we choose to trust you as the one God, the only God. There is only one throne and is taken. And today we honor the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Come on, Beacon Church, let's worship Jesus. Let's show him our true allegiance.
1: Give him your undivided attention. Tell him you will love him, you will serve him, and you will serve him only.
0: a moment stand if you can i'm going to pronounce a blessing when a blessing is pronounced i want to give you an opportunity to give god your undivided attention before i do that if there is anybody here that wants to make a decision to become a follower of jesus christ today would be a great day to say god i trust you jesus loves you he died was buried and is risen again in your place if you want to make a decision to follow jesus will you repeat this prayer after me say jesus I believe that you died and that you rose again. I give you my life and I receive yours in Jesus' name. Amen. Lift your hands for a blessing. May you serve God only. May you never serve the God of this world. May you never give in to the temptation of the God of mammon. May no evil attach itself to you. May no evil attach itself to your children. May no evil attach itself to your children's children. May you know that your life is hidden with Christ in God. May you know that when Christ appears, you will also appear in glory. May you put to death every bit of sexual immorality. May you put to death every bit of idolatry. May you put to death every bit of covetousness. May you put to death every bit of evil deeds. May you put to death everything that is in you that is earthly. And may you see the glory and the goodness of God. And if sin can have intergenerational consequences because of your surrender today, whether you have children or no children, may another generation be blessed because of your name. May two generations be blessed because of your name. May three generations be blessed because of your name. May a thousand generations be blessed because of your name and your surrender to God. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you with his glorious presence with great joy. To him be glory, honor, wisdom and dominion now
1: and forever. And everybody shout a big amen and give him praise in Jesus name. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Amen.
0: Hey, I want to encourage you. If God has spoken to you, do not let this moment go. Text a friend and say, I feel this is what the Holy Spirit's talked talking to me. I need to start letting go. I need to bring a faith offering. I need to just trust God. I need to pray with somebody. I want to encourage you to do something that the Holy Spirit's done on the inside. I can't tell you what that is. That's between you and God. Bring somebody else to Beacon Church next week, bring a friend. Remember this kids crash, youth, everybody upstairs.